happening, food eaters? Welcome back to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. I'm your host, Mel Weinstein, the self-professed prophet of processed foods. This is episode number 59. For today's program, I return to examining restaurant food. It's been a long time since I covered that topic, so I'm revved up to get back to those factual and detailed evaluations. Looking at the ingredients in commercial foods is really at the core of this podcast. Early on, my objective was to not only inform listeners about highly processed foods, but to get people to seriously think about what they're eating on a regular basis. You probably won't keel over dead after eating a scrumptious fast food meal, but it's the slow death after eating hundreds or thousands of those meals that you need to be concerned about. Many people get into their 40s and 50s and wind up facing serious diseases like diabetes, arteriosclerosis, kidney damage, liver disease, and gastrointestinal problems, and then wonder how that happened. Have you heard the saying, death by a thousand cuts? Today, the restaurant under the FLR magnifying glass is Starbucks. I first became aware of Starbucks and the whole specialty coffee craze around 1995. I had decided to take a solo train trip from Illinois to Seattle, Washington to see a much older cousin, followed by a trip south to San Francisco to visit a much younger nephew. In said retrospect, I could have covered the cost of that trip many times over if I had just paid attention to what was happening in Seattle and if I had listened to the sage advice of my crazy cousin. But I wasn't then and am still not now an alert and savvy investor. My cousin Jerry was well-connected in Seattle, not in a financial or lifestyle kind of way, because he was on the edge of poverty, but he knew all kinds of people. He had a friend who worked for Microsoft and was told that Microsoft was about to release a new platform that would revolutionize home computing. Cousin Jerry suggested that I purchase as much stock in Microsoft as I could afford. I ignored him because he was my crazy cousin. The next year, Windows 95 was released, and the rest is history. As I strolled around Seattle, I couldn't help but notice that there were coffee shops on every block in the downtown area. I didn't get it. Never having been a coffee drinker, I didn't understand what all the fuss was about. But those coffee shops were busy, and premium coffees were all the rage then. I know that there were more than two establishments in Seattle, but all I can remember were the Starbucks and Seattle coffee houses. The latter shop was eventually swallowed by Starbucks. If I had any financial sense about me, I would have thought that this local craze might catch on across the country and the world. But all I wanted to see was the devastation at Mount St. Helens from the volcano and didn't pay attention to what was in front of me. In 2015, Starbucks announced its sixth two-for-one stock split. So if I had purchased, say, $1,000 of Starbucks stock back in 1995, it would have been worth at least $60,000 in 2015. Que sera, sera. You might know that I like to give some historical backdrop to the restaurant foods that I evaluate. The first Starbucks store was established in Seattle in 1971 by three friends, two teachers, and a writer 
who learned how to roast coffee beans from an entrepreneur by the name of Alfred Pete. The restaurant got its name from the chief mate in the book Moby Dick by Herman Melville. In high school, some of us were forced to read that heavy book about a terrifying whaling expedition. The sea theme was continued by the company when they chose a bosomy mermaid, based on Greek mythology, for their company logo. Strangely, the mermaid has two tails. The store originally just sold roasted whole coffee beans. By 1986, the original owners had six stores in Seattle and were selling espresso. Then, in 1987, the small chain was sold to Howard Schultz, a former director of marketing for Starbucks, who saw the potential of the enterprise after visiting Italy and observing the niche businesses there. After starting his own coffee company, he eventually made an offer to the Starbucks founders. Under Schultz's leadership, the chain soon expanded to other cities. When it went public in 1992, there were 140 outlets. It expanded tremendously after that. By 2018, it was ranked 132nd on the Fortune 500 list of the largest U.S. corporations. In 2019, the market value of the company was $110 billion. From an employee perspective, Starbucks has a stellar reputation as a company with superlative benefits. Here are 10 of them. 1. 401k plan. 2. A stock plan. 3. Paid vacation and sick leave. 4. Two personal days per year. 5. Paid holidays. 6. Time and a half pay for working holidays. 7. Tuition coverage towards a bachelor's degree. 8. Free coffee or tea every week. 9. 30% in-store discounts. And finally, 10. A free Spotify premium subscription. From my perspective, it seemed that the Starbucks mermaid had a halo around her. A great company with tasty products. A reputation for high-end, healthy beverages and foods. A great company to work for providing a community gathering place for its customers, a company concerned about its environmental footprint. What's there not to like? One day my sister was raving about her favorite Starbucks coffee concoction, so I decided to check it out online. Lo and behold, to my shock, the Starbucks homepage not only listed nutritional information about their products, but they also provided ingredient lists. That was a shock since I've stated several times in the past that most chain restaurants don't reveal the ingredients in their menu items. The federal government only requires that nutrition facts are made available to the public. From my research, there are only a few handfuls of fast food restaurants that post ingredient contents. After getting over my shock, I started looking at the menu items. As a result, the Starbucks halo began to crack. Now, I don't have time to tackle the whole Starbucks menu, so I'll select one or two items from each category uh, posted at their website. Of course, because this is what I like to do, uh, I'll be looking mostly at the least healthy items. So you and a friend decide to spend an afternoon at the local Starbucks cafe. Your friend is wanting a hot coffee and decides to get a straight cafe Americano. 
It's a full serving 16 ounce. The calorie count is only 15. Not bad. It has no fat, no cholesterol, no sugars, and sadly though, no fiber. It contains 2 grams of carbs, 1 gram of protein, and 10 milligrams of sodium. Now, there's not much nutritive value in this drink, and of course you'd expect that for coffee, but it does pack a whopping 225 milligrams of caffeine, which can give a bit of a kick. For comparison, a no-dose tablet specifically designed to keep you awake has 200 milligrams of caffeine, a little less than the coffee. By the way, there's another coffee offered by Starbucks called the Blonde Roast Coffee, also at 16 ounces, and it has a shocking 360 milligrams of caffeine, which could really zap a body. There are only two ingredients in this Cafe Americano, water and brewed espresso. Apart from the bottled water and classic oatmeal, this item, as well as the other simple coffees, are some of the healthiest items on the Starbucks menu, given their ingredient list. You, on the other hand, uh, are interested in the dessert coffees and wind up ordering the chocolate cookie crumble creme frappuccino. It also comes as a 16-ounce serving. It packs a total of 450 calories, which is about a fourth of the calories that an average woman should be consuming for a whole day. A large portion of those calories come from fat, roughly 48%. According to recommended daily allowances, the 24 grams of fat in this drink is 37% of the maximum amount for the day. The Frappuccino has 16 grams of saturated fat, or 80% of the daily value. Wow, look out heart. How sweet is this beverage? It provides 48 grams of total sugars, which is just a few grams shy of the suggested daily amount. No more sugar for you today. By the way, that amount of sugar is just a little less than what you would get if you drank a 16 ounce Coca-Cola. Lastly, what about cholesterol? Since milk is the major liquid ingredient, you get a pretty big shot of cholesterol. Coming in at 60 milligrams, that's one-fifth of the recommended daily value. A very odd observation of the ingredient list is the fact that there is no coffee in this Frappuccino drink. What? No coffee? Whatever hints of coffee exist in this beverage come from the added natural flavors. Here are the components of the chocolate cookie crumble creme frappuccino. There's ice, milk, creme frappuccino syrup, whipped cream, vanilla syrup, mocha sauce, frappuccino chips, cookie crumbs, and chocolate cookie grind topping. Now, for you chocoholics, chocolate is a major component of this drink, since it appears seven times in several forms in the ingredient list. Now that I'm talking about ingredients, uh, get a hold of this fact. There are a total of 55 ingredients. Yes, 55 ingredients in a single beverage. Imagine constructing this concoction in your kitchen. It would be an engineering marvel. 
In the list of ingredients, there's nothing really new that I haven't talked about many times in the past. There are the usual flavoring agents, texturizing agents, emulsifiers, and preservatives. 15 of the 25 unique ingredients are moderately to extremely processed, making the Frappuccino a pretty industrialized product. Don't think for a second that this item is some kind of very tasty natural beverage. All right, let's turn to dinner. After downing your richly caloric frappuccino, you decide to select something healthy sounding off the menu. Your friend points out the Southwest veggie wrap and you both order it. It's a half a pound of bread, eggs, cheese, and vegetables. But wait a second. It's a 550 calorie hit, more than a fourth of your daily allotment. More than that, a third of the calories come from fat. The eggs deliver a good dose of cholesterol at 420 milligrams, which exceeds your daily allowance by 140%. But the bad news keeps coming. The sodium content at 1,280 milligrams is 53% of the daily max. This sandwich is not looking like a wise choice after all. The only saving graces are the low amounts of sugar at 3 grams, the hefty amount of protein at 23 grams, and the presence of a little fiber at 3 grams. But you really should be getting nearly three times that amount of fiber at every meal. The ingredients label is a bit concerning. There are a phenomenal 83 ingredients in this sandwich. 83 ingredients. Now, granted, Most of them are whole foods or lightly processed foods, but still there are a significant number of moderately to extremely processed ingredients. Of the 83 components, 60 of them are unique. So it takes 60 distinct ingredients to make this veggie wrap. The usual subjects show up in the list of ingredients, but of note are natamycin, the phrase microbial and animal enzymes, and powdered cellulose. Natamycin, also called pimericin, is an antibiotic obtained from a strep bacteria. It's both a topical medication and a food additive. As a medicine, it's used as an antifungal agent for eye infections. As a food additive, it's used as a food preservative. Regarding the enzymes, this is the first time I've seen enzymes designated as microbial and animal. Usually, labels just list the word enzymes. But these amazing catalysts can be isolated from biological sources, for example, bacteria and fungi, or from animals, for example, rennet, from cow's stomachs. The enzymes used to make cheese are critical in forming characteristic tastes and aromas. The phrase powdered cellulose or cellulose powder is a nicer way of saying powdered wood pulp. Most people would not want to see wood listed as an ingredient on a food label. Might be a turnoff. This additive serves to add creaminess, increase firmness, retard spoilage, and may be used as a coating to keep food from sticking together. To finish off your meal, you and your friend decide to order a dessert. You choose a cookie dough cake pop. 
This fun confection is a little round cake seated atop a popsicle stick and usually coated with a candy exterior and some toppings. It's a wee little thing, weighing in at just 38 grams. That's 1.4 ounces. It has a calorie count of 180. The fat content is 24% by weight, and fat contributes to 45% of the calories. The sugars amount to 12 grams, or 32% by weight. Together, fat and sugar make up 77% of the cookie dough cake pop. That's not terribly unusual for an American dessert, but what turns out to be a surprise is the ingredient list. This diminutive dessert has 87 ingredients. Yeah, that's what I said, 87 ingredients. 51 of them, or 59%, are unique. The usual suspects show up like emulsifiers, fillers, acidifiers, flavoring agents, and coloring agents. Sweeteners are represented by five ingredients, brown sugar, sugar, invert sugar, corn syrup solids, and cane molasses. Strangely, there are ingredients for both natural eggs and a plant-based egg substitute. Why both of them are needed, I have no idea. There are a few new ingredients. Okay, that sound indicates that uh, I'm going to be talking about some ingredients that have never appeared uh, on this podcast before. So the new ingredients are starter distillate and triethyl citrate. The starter distillate shows up in butter ingredients. This additive is derived from the controlled fermentation and distillation of real dairy products. The distillates are encapsulated and sold as dry powders. They are flavor concentrates and provide shelf life extension. I guess they make butter taste more like butter, if that makes any sense. Triethyl citrate in the cake pop is associated with egg whites, where it serves as a flavor preserver and stabilizer. Regarding the degree of processing for this product, 47 out of 51 or 92% of the unique ingredients are moderately to extremely processed, making the overall product very industrialized. Your friend decides to get something more substantial for dessert, so they order a glazed donut. The 4-ounce donut has 480 calories. Fat makes up 24% by weight and 51% of the calories. Sugar makes up 27% by weight and 25% of the calories. Together, the fat and sugar account for 51% of the donut by weight. Looking at the ingredients, there are 40 in the donut, which is less than half that of your cake pop, but an astounding 40 out of 40, that's 100%, of the ingredients are unique. That is, not used more than once. That rarely ever happens. A bunch of new ingredients show up. They are as follows. Fractionated palm oil, defatted soy flour, tree halos, glycerin, agar agar, ethyl alcohol, and propylene glycol. I'll discuss each one of these additives in turn. 
When palm oil is first processed, it is a semi-solid and can be fractionated by removing the liquid part using crystallization and filtration. The resulting product is thicker and has a higher percentage of saturated fat, which unfortunately can raise blood cholesterol levels, which may contribute to heart disease. However, it's a boon for food manufacturers since fractionated palm oil lasts longer and has a higher melting point, giving products a longer shelf life. Then there's a defatted soy flour. It takes uh, flour derived from grinding soybeans and removes the fat using organic solvent. Thus, the product becomes more processed. Uh, tree halos is a natural sugar molecularly similar to maltose. It is found in mushrooms, sunflower seeds, algae, and yeast, and is about 40% as sweet as table sugar. I have no idea why it was chosen as a sweetener for this donut, since there are so many other cheaper choices. Glycerin, also known as glycerol, is a byproduct of the soap industry. It has a sweetness about 60% that of cane sugar. As a food additive, it helps to retain moisture and adds bulk, smoothness, sweetness, and texture. Agar agar, that's a strange name. It's a gel-like substance obtained from seaweed. It's used as a stabilizer and thickener in processed foods. Ethyl alcohol, also called ethanol, is food-grade grain alcohol, which, of course, we all know is typically found in fermented and distilled beverages. As a food additive, it can enhance the flavor of food extracts, but I don't know why it's used in the donut. I have no idea. Lastly, there is propylene glycol. It's a viscous, colorless, bitter-tasting liquid which prevents food products from becoming discolored in storage, and it also helps to retain moisture. You and your friend leave Starbucks feeling pretty full and satisfied. Let's see how you did by tallying the sum of the nutrients for the three items you consumed. By weight, you took in 720 grams, or 1.6 pounds. No wonder you're feeling full. You walked away with 1,180 calories, or 59% of the daily allotment. If you ate that much food for the two other meals of the day, you would be overeating by 177% and certainly on the road towards obesity. The meal contained 59 grams of fat or 91% of the daily recommended amount. The saturated fat, the bad fat, came to 32 grams or 160% of what you should be taking in. The cholesterol came to 490 milligrams, or 163% of the daily value. And if you eat this way all the time, you're well on your way to acquiring cardiovascular disease. Your sodium intake was 1,650 milligrams, and with that you've already consumed 69% of the allowed amount for the day. You consumed only 5 grams of dietary fiber, which is woefully deficient since you'll need another 20 grams from other meals. Eating fast food is a terrible way to get an adequate supply of fiber, which promotes a healthy gut and a smoothly functioning colon. Your sweet tooth was satisfied with 63 grams, that's 2.3 ounces of sugar, more than is recommended for the whole day. 
Consuming excessive amounts of sugar and fat on a regular basis could bring on adult-onset diabetes. Your total protein intake was 32 grams. Not bad, but it's irrelevant since the vast majority of Americans have no problem getting enough protein every day, which is roughly 54 grams for a non-athletic average-sized person. Okay, it's time to summarize the Starbucks experience. As a corporation, Starbucks has a lot going for it. Its shops are welcoming with an easygoing, pleasant atmosphere. The workers are treated very well compared to those in other food companies. The corporation displays a social and environmental consciousness not typical of other eateries. The coffees are great as well as the smells in the stores. All these qualities of Starbucks create an attractive halo for the company, as evidenced by its incredible popularity with consumers and its rapid spread around the world. But is it a healthy place to eat? Personally, I don't think so. The halo gets cracked when the nutritional values of the meals are examined and the number of industrial ingredients are revealed. From that perspective, Starbucks does not look that much different from other fast food restaurants that I've evaluated in the past. It comes down to these commonalities. 1. An emphasis on the overuse of sugar, oil, and salt. 2. The presence of industrialized ingredients. and 3. Foods and beverages that are high in calories and deficient in essential nutrients like fiber. No, Starbucks doesn't look like McDonald's or Burger King. They carefully craft a high-end persona. But looking behind the curtain, there is not a whole lot of difference between its products and those of other fast food restaurants. You're just going to have to pay a lot more for them. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you finding the podcast. If you have a little bit more time, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by googling Food Labels Revealed. And of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcast or Spotify. If you have a question or comment or anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, you can drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's all one string, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. Also, Check out my Facebook page where I post news stories related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under the title Food Labels Revealed Podcast. And please give it a like. Until later, next month, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Happy Boy composed by Kevin McLeod.